Nearing the end of his ministry, Jesus arrived here on the Mount of Olives, looked out over Jerusalem, and he began weeping. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you as a mother hen gathereth her chicks under her breast, and you would not. Jesus desired nothing less than a wonderful relationship with his children, with his people. He called, he beckoned, he yearned to have a fellowship and friendship with them but they seemed like they would not. Right behind me is the Russian Orthodox Church there on the Mount of Olives. You'll notice the four smaller pinnacles. Those represent the gospel messages, the four men of the gospel, the taller one, Jesus Christ. Jerusalem is a very sacred and holy place to many faiths. The Christians, the Muslims, the Jewish people, even the Baha'i faith. Jerusalem, the capital city of Israel, has been the capital of the Jewish kingdom since about 1000 BC when King David captured it. Since then, the city has been captured and recaptured many times. Jerusalem is one of the oldest inhabited cities in the world and dates back to the fourth millennium BC. Excavations have revealed early Canaanite and Hebrew settlements. A wealth of Hebrew seals and everyday utensils have been found, as well as early streets running from the Zion Gate through the restored Jewish quarter. Jerusalem's a city of contrast between the old and the new, the sacred, the secular. It is still a city of people in need of a renewed touch of the Master's hand. This is the most recent wall that surrounds old Jerusalem. I'm told that Suleiman the Turk actually built this one. Jerusalem has had many walls built at many times. I asked one local resident, what, how many times has it been rebuilt? They said, oh, maybe even seven times. But the most famous was in A.D. 70 when Titus the general destroyed everything. It seems that the walls of Jerusalem are still under siege. In 2002, there was a bulge in the walls near the Al-Aqsa Mosque. At the time, it was expected that more than 200,000 Muslim pilgrims would visit the mosque during Ramadan. Engineers feared that the walls would collapse under the weight of so many people. Finally, in 2003, after a lot of controversy, the wall was repaired. Immediately behind me is a wall that is supporting the mosque. It wasn't there at the time of Jesus. And during this recent archeological dig, they found that this was the main entrance to the temple. But picture Jesus walking up and down these stairs, preaching, sharing the gospel message with everyone around. Tremendous time. Imagine the, the festival of tabernacles during that time with everyone living in their own little places with bowels over them covered, coming to the temple ceremony, coming and hearing Jesus say, I am the water of life, partake of me freely. It's hard to imagine, but that's where it occurred, is right here. I understand it's no longer called the Wailing Wall. No, it was never called the Wailing Wall. It was never called that. No, no. 
it was uh, it's the western wall of the of the, of the temple compound, mm -hmm. and it's it's written in the in in, in the Talmud that uh, the divine presence never leaves this uh, this place. This wall is such an ancient piece of history. That's why this section called the Western Wall is so important to these people because it is part of the original wall of Jerusalem. So they see this as a tie to the past and a tie to God when he was blessing them so much. And they don't believe that the presence of God has ever left this location either. No, no, that's why there's such an attraction to come back to Jerusalem and establish the temple again here. That's why there's so much conflict among uh, nations, politically, as well. But just on the other side of the wall, you have the Muslims. Mosque. That's right. Mm -hmm. The Muslims and the Jewish people are, of course, the most in conflict, but there's a uh, Christian quarter and an Armenian quarter here in Jerusalem as well. At least one in 1948, the Jordanians came in virtually massacred everybody. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until, it was in 1967 that actually the Jewish people were able to come back here and again right. be at the wall. Right. And these little slips, they pray. Of course, they come and they read their, the Bible and their prayer books. And because this is such a special place, it's that longing to be in touch with the past because they see God is blessing them in the past. And they're longing to see that recovered. They want to see the fulfillment of all those Old Testament prophecies, literally. You know, the location of the temple is actually about 20 feet down, or at least the, yes. the areas where Jesus probably walked, but what an area of history. That's you know? right. And then apparently this is so significant to God, he's still coming back, calls it the New Jerusalem, <laughs> going to bring true. it down to this area. And that will be great. We see stones here, we'll see gold there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to that time. That's for sure, yeah. As with any site that's possibly sacred, they built a church over it. Matter of fact, there's a church and the, uh, a Muslim owns the key to the door, but he lets the Christians come in. What is the site? The site of the crucifixion, the site of the burial of Jesus Christ. There is a, an area up in behind that has the, the tomb, the garden tomb apparently. There's also a slab where they laid him. But you know, the most exciting thing, the thing that really counts is he's not there. The relics may be there, but Jesus Christ is not there because he's risen. That's the hope, that's the desire, and we look forward to seeing Jesus Christ very soon. He's coming for you, and he's coming for me. Now tell me, uh, were you always Christians? You say you're a pastor, but were you always Christians? No. No. We came to church at different times, but God helped us find each other at the right time. I came to Christ at 12 years old. I attended school and played soccer. As soon as I started attending church, soccer became very distant. We were watching on TV a cartoon called Superbook, and Jesus became an interest. In our mailbox was an invitation to a church. We went, and this was the first time we were introduced to a church and to the Bible. Because of this book, the whole family started believing. Mom, grandmother, his father, and his brother, even he became a follower. His brother actually became a pastor at the same time as my husband. Now, how about you? Did you know Christ all your life or no? You, you said you didn't. What's your story before you found Christ? 
I came to God at 15 years old. I was raised in a non-Christian family. My girlfriend invited me to come to church with her. My third cousin introduced me with her friend, and she is the one who invited me to her church. When I first went to church, I couldn't find him, but later God helped me. June 30th was seven years since I was baptized. I love to serve God. I just can't imagine my life without praising the Lord. I feel like there is no point to live without God. If you are not serving God, why are you living on this planet? This is just my personal opinion. There are times when you can't watch television. The Voice of Hope radio broadcast is a wonderful alternative. You will discover topics on healthful living, family matters, and spiritual subjects too. Depending on your location, Voice of Hope can be heard on FM or shortwave radio. For frequencies and airing schedules in your area, visit the website on your screen. As you can see, AWR is frontline mission radio. Our first priority is to travel where missionaries cannot go. We broadcast thousands of hours each day in 70 major languages of the world. AWR has the capability and capacity of blanketing almost 80% of the world's population. Not only do we broadcast via shortwave radio, but our signal is on over 1,000 FM and AM stations around the world as well. Our podcast subscribers, internet users, satellite downlinks are growing rapidly, evidenced by the 100,000 plus emails, letters, and phone calls we receive each and every year. Yes, AWR is your mission radio. No walls and no borders. For AWR, that means change lives and change hearts around the world because God is using the airwaves of AWR to reach people everywhere. I found the Voice of Hope radio program on my shortwave radio. It was like an oasis in the desert, cool and refreshing. I discovered things I had never known before. Now, I understand God's will for my life, and I have been blessed by walking in God's path. For the first time in my life, I am happy. To find the Voice of Hope radio in your area, visit the website on your screen. I know that the things we see today on this planet are just small portions of what God prepared for us. So you don't care what other young people think. It's just your relationship with God. This is my relationship with God. And with my friends, my relationship became better because they became better and started respecting me more for being a Christian. Being a Christian can be hard and very unpopular. But being strong spiritually makes you a stronger Christian. Did you find it was the same for you at 15 years old to become a Christian and continue in that pathway? At 15 years old, I started believing. But at 16, I got baptized to achieve that happiness you have to grow year by year and become closer with God. You told me that AWR has been playing a part in your life before we before we came together today, you, you told me that. What, what part has it played? I was left alone for two years as an Adventist, and listening at night to the radio, I understood that I wasn't alone in this world, but a part of a big family. It gave me hope 
and confidence. Nice to hear the Christian songs in my language. I really want to hear God's word, who is calling to come to him, because the time is near. I really want that and will pray for that. I want his name to knock on every heart and everyone. So you tell others about the AWR programs then? About courses? No. About the radio station? Yes. Not only did I tell them about it, I turned it on for them so they could listen to it, my non-Christian friends. So they like the program too? Yes, they listened. And, and this may be telling a secret on you being a pastor because you told me you're a part-time pastor. Do you listen to the AWR programs and make some notes and share that in the pulpit? No radio. We just moved recently, a few days ago. Everything is still packed away in the boxes. Here in Jerusalem, perhaps it was a street something like this that Jesus walked down with his disciples. But at that time, the throngs were pressing in everywhere around him. People wanted to, to get close to him. But all of a sudden, in the middle of all this pushing and shoving, Jesus stopped. He turns and said, who touched me? And for a moment, everybody's looking, thinking, what are you saying? Everybody's touching you. The disciples said, Master, look at the throngs. And then one dear little lady came up and said, I was the one that touched you. And Jesus said, you know, you are healed, dear lady, because you touched me with faith. You reached out and grabbed a hold of me with all that you had and desired to be healed. Tremendous story. A casual touch does nothing in our lives. But the touch of faith grabbing a hold of Jesus, that's what changes. Most of the street are new stones, but this area they found three meters down. These are the original pavements where Jesus walked in the Via Della Rosa. Carried his cross here for you and for me. It's interesting that just right over here are men carrying machine guns. I'm sure Jesus looked forward to this time. That's probably why he wept up there on the hill overlooking Jerusalem. I hadn't realized how long and arduous the trek for Jesus was carrying the cross of Calvary because it's all uphill. At this point on the Via Della Rosa, he collapsed. He could no longer carry the cross. And here we're told Simon picked it up and carried it for him. They've actually built a little chapel in this area commemorating that moment. It's exciting to me that you're young people. You've accepted Christ in, in, in many marvelous ways that came together. Uh, but the listeners, our viewers, need to know that, that God speaks every language. I need an interpreter a lot of times to understand you, but God speaks every language. He reaches every heart around the world. And what would you like to share with the people now that are going to be watching and maybe listening to this program in different parts of the world? What does Jesus Christ mean to you, and what should they know? 
God is love. God gives us a happy heart, hope and belief. Hope for the best, hope in the people. For those watching this program, for those listening to this word, I want you to turn to God. He really wants you to be next to Him. What's your favorite part of the AWR program? The songs, and mostly the Bible study, and when people discuss their relationship with God. And how about you? Same question. What's the most favorite part? The music. And I'm very thankful for His love and is always trying to reach one's heart. The radio has no limit. Wherever you are, just raise your antenna, tune in, and start listening. What would you do if AWR wasn't there and had never been there? The radio is called Voice of Hope. If there was no radio, there wouldn't be that Voice of Hope. Up on the hill where the large church is, I'm told is where Jesus had the Last Supper. In, from that area, they came on down the hill, crossed over the Kidron, up into the Garden of Gethsemane, here in this area, the area of the final conflict. One of the favorite things people like about AWR is its stories. We have stories from all over the world. Some of them involve danger. Many of them involve miracles of God, but certainly all of them involve the miracle of changed lives. I've written a little book of some of the favorite stories in the face of death. Another, radios given by angels, coming to Christ in a Muslim country. These and many other stories it's simple. Just log on to www.awr.org storybook and you can download your free PDF version of stories from places where missionaries cannot go. Do it now so you and your family can immediately enjoy these incredible testimonies of changed lives from around the world. So don't wait. Log on now to www.awr.org storybook. To be here in the Garden of Gethsemane, to look at the size of these olive trees, to think this is the location perhaps that Jesus and the disciples walked, where Jesus instructed them on everyday life, the parables to help them understand, to prepare them for their work, for what was going to happen next in their lives, because these were the men that were going to reach the world for Jesus Christ. These were the men who were preparing right then as Jesus looks at the olives and thinks about the, the Holy Spirit, the oil of the Spirit, the oil that lit the temple lamps, that cast light everywhere. The Holy Spirit that's supposed to be in our lives to give us the light that shines out to all the world. I'm told they placed this pillar here from the Garden of Gethsemane. Perhaps it's the only thing that uh, is left from that time when Jesus came to struggle for the human race. 
when the disciples and Jesus arrived at the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked the disciples, stay here and pray while I go a little distance from you and pray. When he came back from his first agony, he found them all asleep. He said, could you not pray with me just for a little while? Later on, coming back to them again, he again found them asleep. And finally he said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is truly weak. I'm told that the olive tree right behind me is 2,000 years old. This tree could have been here in the Garden of Gethsemane at the time of Jesus. It's something to think about how our Lord knelt down, began weeping. A young man in his early 30s, what young man at that age wants to die, but he was willing to die for you and me, to give his life for us. But he said, Father, please, if there's another way, let it happen. Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Three times he fought that battle with Satan. Three times he fought that battle with self. But each time he surrendered himself to the Father, said, Father, your will be done. Because of the victory that Jesus gained here in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then later on on Calvary's cross, he was able to tell the disciples to go into all the world and spread the gospel message with power, with strength, and with energy. Again, because he had gained the victory first and provided that power to his disciples and ultimately to you and to me. In the garden, Jesus was captured. All the disciples fled. They took Jesus back up the hill again to the area where he originally was with the Last Supper. In that area, they held the first part of the trial. Peter denied his Lord there. Then they led him on into the city for further trial with Pilate. It was in a courtyard, perhaps something like this, where they brought Jesus in the middle of the night to arraign him before the high priest. Peter snuck in. People are milling around everywhere, but Peter didn't want to be noticed. He came up, he saw a little fire, and he came up close to the fire, pulled his collar up, and there he sat trying to warm his hands, and every once in a while he would take a glance and look and see what was happening to Jesus. Someone noticed him. They asked him, who are you? You're the one that was with Jesus. He says, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, and he, he huddles a little lower. But soon they recognize him again, and this time he, he said, no, I'm not the one. But he huddles a little more, he takes another look. Still, Jesus is being tried. But soon someone says, you are the one, you are the very one. And now he cusses and he swears as an old fisherman that he used to be. And as with the, the words dripping from his lips, he looks and Jesus turns and looks at him. And his heart is broken and Peter runs away. In 1883, the British General Charles Gordon came across this location. He saw what appeared to be a skull in the rocks. He looked the eyes and the nose and the mouth and thought, could this be? The location is correct, right outside the walls of Jerusalem. This may be the place of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. 
we're in a location called the Garden Tomb. Now this may not be the actual location where Jesus was laid, but it's a tomb of someone rich like Joseph of Arimathea. They took Jesus off the cross. They laid him in the tomb. They sealed it with a large stone on Sunday. The angel from heaven came down as a, as a lightning flash. The Roman guard who was here to guard the tomb and not allow entrance to anyone lay as dead men. The angel called Jesus forth. Jesus, who had lay there dead, was now resurrected. Interesting point is the soldiers were from every country or many countries. Imagine, after their tour of duty had ended, they went and told their countrymen everywhere. Thus the gospel was spread to many lands. The angel stayed and waited, and the women showed up later that day to embalm the body of Jesus. But the angel said, he's risen, he's not here. He's going to meet all of you. Go tell his disciples, and Peter, the Lord is risen. Whatever you do, don't forget Peter who denied me. Don't forget Peter who has forsaken me. Don't forget Peter who is brokenhearted. Remember Peter. Oh, how much our Lord loves and calls and yearns after every one of us. Jerusalem, where God provided victory over sin and where his great commission was spoken, go ye into all the world. You just moved. You don't have a radio at the moment, but are you looking forward to getting one so you can have the program again? For sure, of course. Certainly. Oh, English again. <laughs> all right, certainly. I understood that. <laughs> we are, we are real, real be uh, to... Uh, to listen uh, the radio, no, to listen, to listen the radio. That's good, yes, radio. all right. Adventist, Adventist. I appreciate you coming tonight very much, thank you. Спасибо, thank you very much. Thank you, God bless you. Today, Maxim is serving as a pastor on the weekends while he does his work to earn a living during the week. He and his wife, now as a team, have dedicated themselves to serve God, and they love to listen and use the radio. In fact, they gave away their own radio to someone so that they could listen to the Voice of Hope programs. Maxim and Lubo now are planning to use radio in their outreach work. We asked them, what would happen if the Voice of Hope was no longer on the air? They said, if there is no voice, there is no hope. Won't you join with AWR to make sure that it can be a voice so that there can be hope for the people of this world? AWR is your mission radio and we're making waves. Please join us, 1-866-503-3531. Or you can write us at 12501 Old Columbia Pike, Silver Spring, Maryland, 20904. Or log on to our website at www.awr.org. Thank you for watching, and please join us again for another exciting gospel adventure, because around the world, AWR is making waves. <laughs>